You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Very pleased now to be joined here on the NFC East mixtape by the one and only, the legendary, the internationally famous, the latest person to put up with my voice that has been battling a sickness for about a week at this point in time. You know him. I actually don't even know where you know him because you can know him from a lot of places at this point in time. Uh, we love Survivor. He loves Survivor. He is a Survivor from Survivor Ghost Island from, I guess, formerly the defunct, the lived, the properly realized Surviving Snyder podcast. It is Brendan Shapiro. Brendan, thank you so much for taking the time to join the mixtape. It is is a pleasure to be here. I normally don't uh, go out of my way to talk to Cowboys fans or or affiliates, but I'm happy to be talking to you today. So my co-host Brandon and I, um, we love the NFC East. Um, we love Survivor. We like to to joke, but say in a, too, a totally serious way that we came up with the term NFC Beast. It is the dumbest name of all time. I hate the people <laughs> like like last year was so annoying. Um, obviously, because the Giants had their little run of success that you know went way over the you know to the top of their heads. Um, I hate that. I hate when people talk about the NFC Beast. Uh, do you like that term or not? No, I'm not a fan. Uh, and and I mean, if you if you if we're being honest with ourselves, I think over the last decade or so, NFC least is probably a a a better uh, description of our of our division. Um, but no, and and the thing is, like, I mean, w- w- we can get into this, but if you look at postseason success, obviously the Eagles, you know, took it almost all the way last year. But uh, there's not a there's not a lot of recent history of success out of this division. So I think it's uh, it's maybe a little far fetched to call it the NFC beast, at least uh, at least not yet. You know, uh, Brendan, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point out that um, one of the two Washington division titles in recent memory came with a below 500 record. No other you know, NFC East team you know, did that. Um, <laughs> I actually am not the biggest fan of Ron Rivera. And I think four coaches have done that this century, and he's done it twice. Like, that's the most incredible run of luck that anybody has ever had for somebody who's like regarded to be this like gambler of sorts. But um, again, we can get into that as well. Um, You love the Washington commanders. You were on survivor as mentioned, survivor ghost Island. Awesome season. Uh, I believe Wendell is an Eagles fan. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wendell is. So I've got a couple friends at Wendell's good buddy, Bryce, also an Eagles fan. So most Eagles, I I will go on record as saying Eagles fans are are among the most deplorable people on, on the face of the earth. With you there. Um, having said that, I do know a handful of really cool guys and 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 people that uh, that root for the team. A brother-in-law of mine, one of my best friends, Wendell Bryce, all these guys. So so there are exceptions to the rule, but yeah, it's a tough bunch by and large. You know, for forever when I was a kid, everybody talked about the the then Redskins Cowboys rivalry, and I don't. I mean, I hated the Cowboys because I was supposed to, but really, if I'm being honest with you. I've I've always hated the Eagles more, and mostly it's because of my experiences at what was you know RFK and then right. and then uh, FedEx Field. You know nobody wants to fight like an Eagles fan wants to fight. Nobody wants to curse in the you know like while spilling beer on your kids like an Eagles fan does. Um, well, maybe the Giants fans are close behind, 
the Dallas fans, to be honest with you, like they tend to be just kind of having a good time. Happy go lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And they'll, they'll talk a lot of smack, but it's usually pretty good natured. They, they don't have their fists up. They just, you know, they just like to have some fun. Yeah, you know, I uh, recently for SB Nation, I interviewed Victor Cruz and I asked him, you know, when he was playing, um, obviously he won the Super Bowl as well. We don't have to talk about that. Um, but I said, like, where, where did you hate going the most? Like, what was the, the most like unpleasant experience for you? And he said Philly. Um, and I thought it was going to be kind of what you were saying. And he talked about the old prison under the stadium at the vet, yeah. like whatever. But his reasoning was was logical, but really weird. He was like, you know, we had to take a train there. And I was just like, OK, that's. It's kind of a strange reason to, to hate this. He was like, I like, uh, these are my words. He's like, I like a more posh lifestyle. So I can sure. imagine, uh, you know, visiting AT&T Stadium uh, was a little bit more fun of an experience in that sense. Um, and to your point, I don't like, I can't name a loss the Cowboys have had to Washington that I've been like morose about. You know what I mean? Like there have been some that have bothered me. Um, and I can't even think of a win where I've, I've just like been soaking it all in. I, I suppose maybe um, the penultimate week of, uh 2013 uh yeah. when, when tony romo hit demarco murray but um but i mean it's just they've been so down on their luck that it, it isn't so much of a rivalry in some respects so i kind of get you know resorting to emotional things the way the eagles do obviously yeah it, and i i'm, I'm a, i think i'm a little bit older than you are so i can remember some really really high stakes wins and, and losses for that matter between the uh cowboys rivalry um but yeah, in recent times, we haven't seen that much. No, back in 2012, I was at uh, FedEx Field when the week, uh, week, week the, 17. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when when Washington won to to punch their ticket and to knock uh, Dallas out of the playoffs, that was a big one. That's FedEx Field is a dreadful stadium. It's really it's a dump. Um, but I don't think I've seen it rocking like it was that night. That was a that was a great atmosphere, and you don't see a ton of great atmospheres, frankly, at, at FedEx. So. Um, so that was a lot of fun. You know, there've been there've been some sort of entertaining uh Thanksgiving games and it'll be interesting to see what happens in in a week and a half. I think probably it's not where you know Washington's probably not coming out on the good end of this one, but but you never know when these two teams get together. Um you mentioned obviously Dallas hosts Washington on Thanksgiving this year. Earlier that season in 2012 was the RG3. People remember it as the RG3 game, but Alfred Morris had a day yeah. himself. Um and Tony Romo and Des Bryant. I mean I had a I think I had Romo and Des on my fantasy team that day and and it was just if you had a piece of that game, it was yeah. it was a prosperous week for you. Um, 2020 they met on Thanksgiving uh, and that obviously led to Washington winning the title that was the horrible fake punt uh, that the Cowboys had like when they yeah. were just like they were super down it was a really tough 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 scene um, that was you know I don't know if you know this uh, I know the commanders just traded away Chase Young the Cowboys never beat Chase Young on the commanders that never happened he was 2-0 against them <laughs> yeah I'm not sure if that's that's a causation <laughs> or, or a correlation but um, but yeah we'll, we'll we'll give Chase Young credit for that so I mentioned you had the podcast uh, Surviving Snyder had because it's past tense. Uh, you, yep. Rick Devins, uh, former mixtaper, uh, Dalton Ross, who's been on the blog and the boys podcast to talk Cowboys, Commanders, et cetera, et cetera. You guys uh, all have, I don't know that we can say Dalton is a survivor, all due respect, but you know what I mean? Like all have this connection to Survivor uh, and all liked Washington. Like what you just were like, hey, let's let's just turn the microphones on and, and talk about this team. And, and the name was so perfect because if there was one thing that the entire NFC East could unite under, it was Dan Snyder being awful. We actually were really bummed uh, when he sold the team. Obviously, he's a horrible human being, and, and nobody wants to advocate for that. But but selling the team improves the team, and we don't want to see that happen around here. We wanted them to be terrible forever. Yeah, yeah. The, the origin of, of our podcast was uh, we just had a text group going, and it was, yeah, Rick. And, and Dalton, for those who don't know Dalton, he is the sort of the preeminent expert, and he is um, the, the preeminent writer uh, – 
of Survivor. So from the very beginning of the show back in 2000, um, he 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 is um, editor of EW Magazine. Now it's online, but and and he covered Survivor. He's been out on location a million times, and so he there is nobody on earth that knows more about the show than than he does. And so anyway, he used a Washington guy. As a matter of fact, when I went out to go play Survivor, we had this like press junket kind of before we played. And I knew Dalton was a uh, then Redskins guy, a Washington football fan, because I read his stuff. And he'd mentioned it right. like in his recaps and stuff, which I thought was so cool. So for me, I was starstruck when I got to meet him like before the game. And and uh, I walked up, shook his hand. And the first words he uttered to me were, uh, were hail the Redskins. I was like, oh, this is my guy, right? So um, and then my survivor experience all went downhill from there. But um, uh, but no, it was so we were connected through survivor and then I didn't play with Rick. He was on a different season, um, but Dalton connected us and we had a podcast or excuse me, we had a, a text chain that we called misery loves company. And then one day Dalton was like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we turn this into uh, a, um, you know, a podcast. And both of those guys have a ton of experience talking into mics. And, and so I was like, man, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the guy that you can drag along. That's fine with me. So um, it was fun, man. We did it for, I don't even, I've sort of lost track. It was, I don't know, like a hundred, 30 episodes something like that and we we took it all the way to when uh snyder sold the team and we felt like the job was you done survived. And, and yeah we survived so um and and yeah i mean talking about where we are now uh look i i can't tell you that josh harris is the greatest owner in the nfl he, i think what i can tell you is this he's better than the worst owner in the nfl um you, you can't get worse than dan snyder it was it was just hard man like irrespective of the results on the field it was just so hard to root for this team that was just an embarrassment it was an embarrassment in our city but like nationally it was just it's just a train wreck in every way possible so I mean, we couldn't have been more excited the two most excited times i've had in my entire adult life as a sports fan one when joe gibbs came out of retirement to coach the team you know i grew up in joe gibbs the first era right sure. like i grew up watching super bowls and and so when he came back out um i mean he's just a huge uh hero for me and and then the other was when the day we we knew that it was official that snyder really was going to sell those are the two happiest days of my adult life as a sports fan yeah the joe gibbs thing like people look back like i just did and laugh but like if you were a fan of the team that had to have been like the coolest possible thing in the world like oh, it was i don't remember i don't remember at what point but when the cowboys had a coaching vacancy i remember talking to my dad he was like you know they should call jimmy johnson up and like it would actually be that like it would actually be like that yeah. living itself out that was incredible like, and the, and the reality is, like, look, I, I know that Gibbs had lost a little bit off his fastball at that point, but this is a dude that took the team in four years, took the team to the, to the playoffs twice, right? No other coach right. can say that. No other coach had that level of success. And I, I know it's it's middling success, but, but I mean, under Snyder, that is like, I mean, that's nobody's matched that level of success that he had. And and uh, I think he was fighting an uphill battle as every coach has been under, under Snyder. Um, so I, like I, I enjoyed it. I, I know he didn't bring uh, the team back to glory that, you know, they didn't, they didn't get back to the Super Bowl under Gibbs, but that was, that was a, a, a shining light in a, in a pretty dark quarter century that we've had under uh, Dan Snyder. You mentioned Josh Harris and my co-host Brandon um, is a Philly guy through and through. Yeah. Um, and he is really bothered as a Sixers fan that Josh Harris now has a, you know, kind of a stake in, in a, a Philadelphia rival, so to speak. I think that's really dumb. Does that does it bother? I mean, I don't know if you you know hate the Sixers or whatever. If that like does does that bother you at all that he's got his hand in in I guess rivalry sort of cookie jars? No, not really. I mean, 
yeah, the cross sport thing doesn't really doesn't really get to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not too consistent with that. Like, um, I like Washington guys to stay. So I think it would bother me more maybe if it had gone the other way, right? Like if he had if he had been a Washington owner, sports owner, and then went and, and bought a Philly team, I, maybe I could I guess I could kind of imagine how that might bother me a little bit. But no. As a Washington fan, it doesn't bother me even a little bit. And I think in part because, again, it's like he's our he's our savior, right? Like anybody, right. <laughs> anybody but the guy we had is an improvement. So um, so I'm not about to you know sit back and be critical of Josh Harris. And I, look, I from, you know, you hear you'll, you can hear Philly people talk about the fact that they have a lot of confidence in Harris. And some people think he hasn't done the greatest job um, either as a hockey owner or a basketball owner. Um, I think probably when it all shakes out, he's going to be kind of a, an average owner. You know, if they did wins above replacement, maybe he's like a, a zero war guy, yeah. right? He's not a negative war guy. He's just kind of run of the mill. But again, we'll take it. Anything's better than what we have. But if you're a zero war guy at that point, like in a league that rewards parity, like eventually fate yeah. smiles upon you, like to the point right. that you're a playoff team. And like, if you get in, like you just literally never know what can possibly happen. And so that's why, again, like um, this season hasn't gone incredibly well. I'm certainly interested to get your thoughts on, on, you know, the current commanders. Um, but there's just, there's so many moving parts. There's the, like the, the pending potential rebrand and, and the Ron Rivera situation and the quarterback situation. Like it's yeah. just impossible to like accelerate everything and have everything. You, you're not going to feel the way you felt when Joe Gibbs came out of retirement in the next five years. Like it's, it's a process and everyone has to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, and I think you're speaking about Rivera, um, I when when they hired him, I thought, okay, this, he's probably a zero war guy, right? And I and I've become convinced over the years that he's something less than that. Uh, unfortunately, I, look, I, you got to give him credit. He came in under very difficult uh, totally. circumstances, and he's a professional, you know, and and great human being. Like no yeah, nobody denies that. Totally with he, you. He's just not a very good professional, right? <laughs> so like he's a below average professional. I mean, he's a guy that's had what two or three winning seasons out of you know after this year when they when they fail to have a winning season this year. I think it's like two or three out of thirteen seasons he's had a winning season, and that's you know I mean that's what it looks like on the field. He farms out the defense to Del Rio. He farms out the offense to Bienemy. So I mean, for all intents and purposes, his job is to manage the show. And and on game day, he's the one making decisions. He's the one you know making that fourth and and two decision. He's the one. Deciding whether to go for two at the end of the game, he's the one who is calling timeouts or not calling timeouts or challenging or not challenging, and he's terrible at all of those things. I mean, really, really bad. Um, and so again, yeah, great guy, good human being. I think probably I think the players like playing for him, and there's something to be said for that. But uh, but he's not good at at coaching football, and so um, I'm I'm really excited to see what comes next. And and I'm never like I feel bad. Like I, I don't root for people to get fired. Um, and I'm definitely generally speaking not a midseason uh replacement proponent right like there's usually very little that can be gained from that this might be the exception though this year and this team might be the exception because i was listening to you last week and and you guys were talking about howl and and it sounds like you don't have a ton of confidence and and i'll say this like i know that six or eight games or ten games don't make a career um and there's been some bad this season, but this is a guy who's started now, I think, 11 games in his career. And I think there's been more good than bad. And you see the upside. Uh, the upside's there. Now, I know. I mean, look, I'm in Washington. I know that you can have a fool's gold season, right? Like, you can have a one-hit wonder. Robert Griffin played right here in, in Washington. And so, um, and, and obviously, he wasn't, um, 
he wasn't what we all hoped he would be after his first season. And so I don't think we've seen enough to say that Sam Howell's the guy for sure. But I also think that we've seen enough to say he might be the guy, right? And uh, and and that's the first time I've said that about anybody since Kirk Cousins. I know Kirk Cousins is a lightning rod. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people, other people do. But but um, but he's in my opinion, he's got the potential to be the best quarterback since Kirk Cousins, uh, beyond shadow of a doubt. And so that's a big deal. And and if he's that guy, what concerns me? And I was talking with Dalton about this the other day. Like, what concerns me is. I don't really want this guy who's learning to play the position and, and seeming to sort of gain steam as he goes. I mean, his last three games have been really good. He just seems like he's on a good trajectory. I'd hate to see him have to start over with a new OC, right? And 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 um, so what I'd like to see, and, and you have to think that if if Josh Harris decides to replace Ron Rivera, whoever comes in is going to want to blow the whole staff out and bring in their right. own people. So I think you've got – I think the responsible play here, if you're Josh Harris, is to let Rivera go immediately, install Bienemy as the head, and just see what that looks like. And maybe it's a disaster, but they're not going anywhere anyway, right? So, like, we might as well figure it out and see what you've got in, in Bienemy because I think probably the only way that the Howell Bienemy experience or experiment continues is if those if Bienemy is the head coach because I just don't see a scenario where they're going to bring in a new head coach and keep the O.C. I think I think I agree with most of what you said. Um, I want to say I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan, um, and I've gone to bat for Kirk a lot. Um, and so, you know, I've got the scars to prove it. Um, and so it's just super huge bummer, obviously, what happened to him. Yeah. I'm going to be really fascinated to see what happens to him in free agency, obviously. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you. One of the worst parts about my job is, like, highlighting when people suck or are bad at what they do and, like, calling for them to be fired or benched or whatever the case may be. And I'm kind of with you in that, like, the commanders aren't making the playoffs, right? Like, I know that they could, you know, sneak in as the seven. Or if they do, who cares? Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, you know, if you're the seventh seed at this point, you're going to Detroit. Like, you know, is that like a fun, you know, right. weekend? Is, is that totally worth it? And so I agree with you that you have, like, the Eric Bieniemy thing is really unique, obviously. And there's certainly a large amount of data to suggest that he should have had a head coaching job by this point. You have to find out. Like, you didn't bring him in here just to, to not figure that answer out. So you've got you know, approximately half a season at this point in time to figure it out. And yeah, like if if you're going to ever give Sam Howell a chance with him, this is it. Like treat it like your focus group. I'm totally with you because, I mean, like whether you believe that Josh Harris wants to get his own like, you know, figurehead in or whatever the case may be, beyond all that, it's just kind of time to move on from Ron Rivera. Like it's been four years. There's been, there's no like quantifiable difference that he really makes for the team. So like you've got that that box checked off, so to speak. The enemy makes sense to give an opportunity to that makes sense. He's obviously improved or, or we've seen improvement from Sam Howell. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not quite ready to make a decision, but I guess if I'm a juror, I'm out right now. Um, I'm with you. Like, I think the worst possible thing is the fool's gold is if yeah. you, you pass up on an opportunity to, to improve somewhere uh, because you talk yourself into this, that or the other. But the reality, too, is at this point, even the commanders probably have too many wins to be in Caleb Williams or Drake May strike. Right. Distance. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you want to bring Kirk back in free agency? You don't want to do the like, you know, I don't know. Somebody's going to talk themselves into like Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett. I mean, right. ironically enough, um, you don't want to do that. So like at this point, you know, while the franchise is still kind of being reborn, it makes sense to lean into Sam Howell. He's on a super cheap rookie contract. Like all, all of that makes sense. So I'm kind of with you. Like it, it may, maybe you're one, maybe the, look, Brandon, maybe the Cowboys blow out the commanders on Thanksgiving and the week and a half gives Washington enough time to move Ron Rivera out and let Eric Bianami come in for the rest of December. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing that I I think that probably Rivera is sticking around through the end of the season because I think Harris doesn't want to act rash or 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 be perceived as somebody who's acting in a way that's rash, but. I think one thing that would do it is if they lose to the Giants this weekend because the Giants are so bad. It, and because it would mean a few things. It would mean that they're, they've lost to the Giants for the second time this season. Right. I mean, the Giants are really dreadful, really, really bad. And Washington lost, I mean, lost badly to the Giants, right? Um, they looked hapless. And so if they do that again at home this week to a Giants team that, you know, I mean, Tommy DeVito. This isn't even the Giants. If you if no. you lose to the Tommy DeVito Giants, like it's a whole different level of shame. They're, they're so awful. I, they, they, I, I think particularly because Daniel Jones and Darren Waller are out. I don't think you'll find a, I don't think there's a worse group of skill players in the NFL, except maybe in new England. Right. Then, than with the giants right now, I mean, they're, they're awful, like really, really awful. So if Washington goes or loses to the giants at home this week, maybe that would do it. But I think short of that Rivera's with us for the end of the season. I, I think I, if I had to guess, um, and and that's too bad. And you you talked about it last week on your show. I mean, it, they're stuck in purgatory. And and this right. is what happens, right? Every year, it's like, okay, cool. We won seven games. We got the 15th pick in the draft. Like, yeah. what are you going to do with that? And so um, I find myself in this weird, like, okay, intellectually, I look at it and say, all right, here's what I want to happen. The best case scenario is that Washington loses narrowly and Sam Howell balls out. Right. Every week. Every week. <laughs> so last so that, week was great for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so that at the end of the season, Washington has four wins and they're picking third and they are convinced that Sam Howell is the guy. Right. That would be probably the best case scenario. Having said that, I, I go into each game thinking that and then I'm watching the game and I can't help but root. Yeah, for a you, win, just, you know, yeah. you just can't. You can't. I, I just can't root for a loss. So so I don't. Um, but then I guess that's like the consolation or the silver lining when I, you know, when I'm like drowning myself in in uh in my tears and beer at the end of the end of the night is like well at least you know at least they're not gonna have the 20th pick in the draft but yeah i don't know what the fix is and so i think this really the stakes are so high with how because you said it you know they're 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 not going to be in a position even with and they've got a handful more of draft picks than they had but it's going to take so much to go up and get caleb williams or drake may or one of these guys that i just don't think they'll have it in them to do it so so yeah i'm just praying that Howell is the guy I mean, Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Terry McLaurin's always been the like underrated guy, like the the poster for that. Jahan Dotson's now kind of in that category himself. Brian Robinson isn't bad. Um, and the the fact that you know the organization traded away both Chase Young and Montez Sweat, really smart. Like not a lot of teams would be that bold. But again, like when you when you're at the bottom, like you kind of you have nowhere else to go. Like you, you know what I mean? Like that was yeah. really wise to to move on from two dudes who you probably weren't gonna bring back. And you got something out of Chase Young when I would imagine in July. That seemed impossible, like yeah. going into the contract. Year. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, they didn't I mean the reporting is they didn't want to get rid of sweat, but the offer was too good. And I, and when you right. look at it, sweat just got twenty five million dollars, right? So that was gonna be the asking price. And I think the team really valued sweat, but having already paid Daron Payne and John Allen 20 million plus per year, I, I just think they looked at it and they said, we can't pay this. This guy's worth a lot to us, but he's not worth 25 million a year, right? That's that's like Miles Garrett money, right? So he's and he's not Miles Garrett. He's he's a good player, like a really solid player. He's not a game wrecker. And and so um I think they just felt like they had to, it was the right thing for them to do. And the reality is, I I think of it this way. If you could have Montez Sweat for $25 million, or you could have somebody who's maybe half the player Sweat is for a tenth the money, 
you know, for two and a half million dollars, I think you got to go that way. Right. I mean, I, I just think you do. So, um, so yeah, they were looking at the future and it's something that the team really hasn't done in, in the past decade or so, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't, um, they were short-sighted and vindictive. And so they let Kirk cousins go for nothing. Right. You know, they let Trent Williams go for, you know, essentially nothing. Um, and so it's about time that they start being forward looking. And, and so I, yeah, I applaud the moves. I think that's like every fan, like whenever a team cuts a player, they're like, you couldn't even get like a seventh round draft pick for him. We're actually talking on the day that the Dolphins um, got rid of Kelvin Joseph, who the Cowboys traded for Noah Igbenogany. It's like, well, you got Noah Igbenogany for a dude that the Dolphins cut before Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like it worked out. And to your point about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, I have never entered a Cowboys commanders game. And I say this contextually, like been worried about Chase Young, despite the fact that Cowboys never beat um, a commander's team with him, but never been like, oh man, this is going to be like a Chase yeah. Young Montez record. It, but Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, those are constantly problems for Dak Prescott and for the Cowboys. So, I mean, and and something that Brandon says a lot around here, the Montez Sweat contract you talked about doesn't fit the timeline that the organization is on. You know what I mean? Right. Like he, it doesn't yep. fit the the pace that this organization is moving with because of the potential new head coach, whether it's Eric Bieniemy or somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And so, you know, they picked up um, a a second rounder for Sweat, it's, and it's the Chicago second rounder. So it should be right. the top of the draft, top of the second round. Um, you know, they picked up an extra third rounder. It's going to be the end of the third round. For all intents and purposes, an extra fourth right. rounder for Chase Young. But my big hope is that they invest heavily, uh, and they have a ton of money to spend in free agency. Um, I think they're they have – as much money as as almost anybody in the league in free agency, it's and not the and it's cheap, not the most cheap loaded quarterback contract class. too, and a cheap to, quarterback to build con- it around. contract, right? Exactly. So, so my my big hope is that I mean, as we've talked about, the 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 most glorious thing would be if Sam Howell really turns out to be a guy. And and I'll say this about Sam Howell: I don't think watching him now, I I don't think that his upside is he's you know a top three. Uh, he's not a he's never going to be. Mahomes, Rogers type of you know ceiling player. Sure. Um, what a crime. But I think, but I think he could be a, I think he could be a top ten guy, right? And a totally. top ten guy, you could do a lot worse than that, right? And we've been doing a lot worse than that for a long time here in Washington. So, so I mean, if he, if he could be a top, you can win a Super Bowl with a top ten guy, right? You can't win one with a bottom half guy. That not anymore. You know, like Trent Dilfer is never going to happen again. I don't think. But, but, um, but you can win one with a top 10 guy. And so that's my that's my big hope. And if that's what he is, you got two more years after this one with him on a rookie deal. You bring in some free agents, you front load those contracts while you're not paying anything for your quarterback. And and then they've got some draft stock. So my hope is, I mean, they've got to revamp the offensive line. I think they can do some things um to to improve their team. And and hopefully the fact that they've got this this uh this cash and uh the draft stock means that they can attract a, a bona fide GM and a bona fide coach in the offseason. Well, there are, uh, I mean, I know we have a lot of younger listeners and, and viewers, but like this, this is a Tiffany brand franchise of the NFL. Like I know yeah. it's, it's different and the name is different, but like you're talking about a, a massive media market, obviously the nation's capital. Um, like th- this is a, these are historic roots. You know, this is like truly um, like a, whatever your favorite, like home garden television show is like the, the bones of this house are pristine. It just, you know, you got to have the like demo day and everything to kind of like give it a facelift. Um, so the, the last thing on the commanders for me, um, is you mentioned that we talked about how they're in purgatory, wherever they are, uh, uh, like along that spectrum, they're still better off than the giants because a worse place than purgatory to be 
is in purgatory while thinking you're past that. And that's yeah. that, that was the the crime or the the penalty of like over delivering in year one of the rebuild for the Giants is they thought that they were way too far along down that road. And now we're out. And plus, like the injuries and things like that obviously exacerbate the issue. But like that that Tiffany brand franchise is down historically bad right now. Yeah, and it's it you know they had that blip last year. You said it like, and and I think that was maybe the worst thing for them. It, it inspired them to sign Daniel Jones to to a big deal. Um, and and I mean, I guess the good news for the Giants is they can they, you know they got one more year on that deal and they can get right. out of it. And so if they're in a position as they likely will be to draft one of these quarterbacks, you know, you can pay Daniel Jones the the thirty million or whatever he makes. Yeah, to be a backup and to a like, to a rookie who's making a rookie money, right? So like you did and with Eli and Daniel Jones, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I, I guess that's if there's any upside or any any um, sort of I don't know, like silver lining for Giants fans. It's that uh, you know they they may be in a position to improve their team at the most important position um, when they thought they had the answer a year ago. They they thought, oh, maybe we have the guy, and I think probably Giants fans, if they were being honest, last year would have said, yeah, he's never going to be. Pat Mahomes, but like he could be a top 10 guy. He's there. They were saying about him what I'm now saying about Sam Howell, which is kind of funny, but um, but you're not going to give Sam Howell $40 million this offseason. That's the exactly. you know, and exactly. I, I, I didn't blame them for that. They were stuck, like they, they were stuck because they over delivered in year one. And so, like, how could you let the quarterback walk? It was just it was a no win situation. And to be fair, though, they did play the Saquon thing right. They never blinked, obviously, when he wanted big money, and they'll be able to walk away from him, obviously, this offseason and probably still get a comp pick as a result of it. Yeah. 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 But they're no, they're in a bad way. And um, so I'm really interested, though, to see how things pan out for for the Eagles and the and the uh, Cowboys, because, you know, the Cowboys. I mean, it's seemingly every year they're just so loaded. I think it's it, Jerry Jones has got to be confounding for for you and Cowboys found, fans, because on the one hand, it's like I, I think tell me if I'm wrong, but I think some Cowboys fans look at Jones and like, all right, I wish he weren't so meddlesome. He's got his hands in this thing too much. On the other hand man, they can acquire talent. They can draft, like they draft dudes all the time. Like they, I mean, so, so, and that's, I know Jones has got a big hand in that. Right. So I don't know, I guess you've got to feel conflicted, but, um, but it seems like every year you look at the Cowboys and you're like, they have so many, they're just loaded. Like they have so many guys and every year, uh, you know, it's, it's just seems to fall apart. Um, and so I don't know, what do you think as a Cowboys fan and a, you know, somebody who, who is thinking about the team constantly. I mean, is this the year or is this year? How is this year any different from any of the last, you know, 10 years? Like, it just seems like it's like it's a record on repeat at this point. Well, you segued us into the Cowboys Eagles conversation. That's what I was going to do next. And I'm, obviously this division and arguably the NFC is going to come down to one of two of them. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. The Cowboys play the Lions in week 17. So that'll kind of add to the mix of it all. Um, you're right. Like it is something I say often is like, you will never do your Christmas shopping with them mathematically eliminated. Like that will never happen. Like they, right. they will never be that out. Um, you know, to your credit, the Cowboys draft extraordinarily well, Will McClay. Uh, they, every year they like add something to his, his job title to just give him a promotion to keep him around. Um, he kind of heads all that. And so that's why they've certainly earned the benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to something like this past year, when people were a little bit down on the Mozzie Smith pick. Uh, but you're right. Like every, you know, like Deron Bland is balling out of his mind right now. Fifth round pick last year. Yeah. Um, and where things are different and it's, it's difficult. And I don't mean to be like the woe is me Cowboys person, but like, because they are who they are and they have the, 
you know, reputation and the attention that they do, if they don't win the Super Bowl, they're not just like a bad team. They're like galactic failures. You right, know what right. I mean? And so heavy truly is the head that wears their particular crown. Um, and so I, I mentioned, I, I have fought a lot for Kirk Cousins. I fight a lot on behalf of Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, last year, I don't know if you're aware of this, the Cowboys went to the playoffs for two straight years for the first time since 2006 and 2007. Like that had never, like, and I recognize like how silly that is to be like, what an amazing accomplishment. But like, that was not happening for a very long time with the Cowboys. They won double digit games last year um, in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1995 and 1996. Do you know, uh, Brendan, that last year was their first road playoff win since the 1992 NFC championship game when they first knocked off the Niners. Like it had been, and some of that is like circumstance, right? Like they had home field yeah. advantage a lot, whatever. Um, but they still lost in the divisional round, right? Like, so like you can do all these amazing things and you can, you know, blow the cobwebs off of all these like particular record books and, and stat sheets. But like, if you can't get to the NFC championship game, it's still kind of the same conversation. And so I, they, they have become a team under Mike McCarthy that kicks the crap out of bad teams that, yeah. Um, responds well after losses. They are 11 and one uh, after losses since 2021. Obviously, 2020 was the year Dak was hurt. Uh, they have become a team um, that defends home field. I mean, like, have you ever been like, oh man, I'm scared of going to AT&T Stadium? No, like to Victor Cruz's point, it was like a, a posh, it is a posh palace, but they've won 12 games in a row there. So like they're becoming um, what Mike McCarthy's Packers were. And I know that they really under-delivered for a lot of people, but if, if you are in the tournament every year, every year, every year, again, I, I kind of go back to what I told you earlier. I think that eventually the odds are that that you'll get lucky or that the, the ball will break your way or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. I mean, like, if they probably won't win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> like, if, if you had to take one team or the field, it's, it's easy sure. to take the field. Um, but they're as consistently good as they have been since the 90s, which, again, isn't saying much, but is a really big deal for this particular team. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Though. Yeah, it does. I'm curious to get your opinion on – we talked about wins above replacement for Ron Rivera. And what do you think about McCarthy? You said you're a big McCarthy defender. Is he – I mean, uh, clearly you, you think he's not a liability for the team. Do you think he's an asset, or is he just kind of like going to, you know, deliver – you know, deliver on on what he should, or is he is he giving you positive wins above replacement? I think he definitely is. I mean, um, I think his greatest crime in his NFL career is that he lost a PR battle to Aaron Rodgers, and and that forever you know handicapped him in any kind of evaluation or assessment that anybody makes of him. I mean, like people fell all over themselves at the idea of Sean Payton when they're like the same coach. You know what I mean? Right. And, and like, and Mike McCarthy never, you know, Sean Payton went seven to nine, three years in a row with Drew Brees as his quarterback. Like that never happened to Mike McCarthy and people act like having Aaron Rodgers and now Dak Prescott is, is again, like some problem that, that well, Oh man, like M McCarthy sucks. You know, Rodgers carried him. So like that, that kind of takes me to like the Dak thing is like, the Cowboys have done all these things and the general consensus is that, that he sucks or whatever. He's this oaf that Dak sucks. He's not an elite quarterback. Um, so like both of those things can't be true. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. from them to be this consistently good, like somebody has to be amazing at what they're doing. Well, and add to the mix, the, other one add to the, mix the fact that uh, Dan Quinn has had such a profound effect on that defense. Right. So, I mean, the Dallas defense is scary, and I know they've had a few hiccups. Like they've had a few when they when they have an, when they're off, they're off, right? But right. Um, but by and large, that's like that's one of the defenses that really causes problems. You know, like you know, you talk. We talked about the fact that like uh, you know, you never thought of Chase Young as like a game wrecker. Right. Montez Sweat isn't really that guy. 
you've got like three of those guys, you know, and, and, and you got, um, so the town acquisitions there and Dan Quinn, is, I mean, his track record speaks for itself. Right. So, so I think the big difference between McCarthy and green Bay and McCarthy and Dallas is that in green Bay, uh, they were consistently poor defensively as a right. team. And so that's, I'm a big Rogers defender and, and I I've done all the statistical analysis on like, you know, when people want to argue about Brady versus Rogers, all that kind right. of stuff. I always talk about the the number of top five and top 10 defenses that, that Brady had and the number of top five and top defenses that Rogers had. And, and it's, it's stark. And so like all the guys, all the quarterbacks in history that have won lots of Super Bowls have done it because they're really, really good and they've got a really good defense. And so, um, that's what Dallas seems to have now is they've got a quarterback who, when is go when he's going right, is 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 really good. Um, they've got a ton of offensive weapons and they've got a really dangerous defense. And so, um, I, I guess if I I think that the bar for McCarthy should be high because I just look at it as an outsider looking in and I'm like, okay, they they are so loaded from a like a player standpoint. They've got, I, th- I think, arguably one of the top two or three defensive coordinators in the league managing that side of the ball. Um, man, they they better win some games, right? Like, like how do you not, right? I mean, so um, so it's for me what's, you know, if we play the what ifs, it's like, well, I don't know, you name whoever you think might be the, one of the top coaches. In the, you know, you take Kyle Shanahan or you take, and, you know, people have different opinions on him, but take somebody who's regarded as one of the top kind of top minds in the NFL right now and stick them in uh, Dallas. And I wonder what we'd be seeing would it be the same results better or worse i don't know but um yeah i don't know i i when I, i'll be honest with you when when mccarthy signed you know when he was hired by the cowboys I was the like, same, yes, same cycle as rivera like it was yeah, the same like, offseason awesome. right yeah like this is great like th- they will be stuck in kind of like this mediocre state and and uh so it'll be interesting to see if they can get over the hump when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We obviously have a lot of Eagles fans who listen to the show. Yeah. Um, so as much as it hurts us both, we have to talk about their team. I guess this is a, a natural segue. Mike McCarthy or Nick Sirianni, Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts? Where is Brendan's side on each of these two <laughs> arguments? Okay, so so uh, first of all, Nick Sirianni, there's something about this guy. He has like the most punchable face in the NFL. I, I've, I've said that so like, many times. Oh, he's mean mugging all the time. Like, I don't yeah. want that out of a, it's just obnoxious. It's stupid. I, I don't so, mean to interrupt you. He does this thing that I've, I've joked about here. It's a joke. That's like completely serious. Um, I, I feel like nowadays every NFL coach is trying to like establish their, um, uh, their wardrobe item. Um, yeah. like, like Kevin O'Connell wears the, the, like, uh, the t-shirt with long sleeves or the hood. Um, yeah. Matt LaFleur wears like a vest. Like every coach has to have like a distinguishable item of clothing on them. Nick Sirianni forever had a visor that he would clip a highlighter to. And I just like, I would always think like that cannot be convenient for you to, to have the like highlighter, yeah. you know, right next to your, your dimple or whatever. Like that has to be incredibly annoying. But my take was that I really believe I still do that. He wanted Eagles fans to be like dressing up as him for Halloween, yeah. like walking around with play sheets and highlighters on their visors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, he knows he's on camera. Right. And he, it, yeah, he plays to the camera, which is, I don't know, whatever. Good for I you, guess. Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
as to which which coach I'd rather have, like who gives the team a better chance of winning, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to argue with the results that Sirianni's got. I mean, they, totally. they just played a Super Bowl, right? So um, I, I don't know. I might give the nod to Sirianni as much as I hate to do it. I He's think, super aggressive, and yeah. I, I, I really admire that as much as it hurts to admit. Uh, Prescott versus Hurts. I probably lean uh, Hurts because – because it seems like um, Prescott. So Prescott seems like one of those guys in the NFL. It's kind of like, um, I don't know. There've been a handful of like Eli Manning and various others who are like, you could just tell they're like good guys, you know, just quality Kirk Cousins, good, like good just humans, right? Good yeah. humans, like just good people. And you, you want success for them, you know, putting to the side their, their team affiliation, you want success from them because they seem like good dudes. And, um, and Pre Prescott seems to be that guy, right? So it's hard hurts to root. too for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, yeah, like, it hurts likewise. It hurts likewise. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, so it's hard to root against Prescott, but it does seem like, and and I'm sure you could give me some statistics that would argue the contrary, but it seems like, um, he is kind of your front running quarterback. When things are going well, he's going well, and then when the lights get brighter, sometimes, uh, you know, he poops a bed. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see again as this season rolls on, like. You know, I think this is going to be the referendum on on Dak Prescott because you know everybody expects the Cowboys to to make a deep run and everybody expects it to be you know essentially. I mean, it's a four team race, right? It's Cowboys, right. Eagles, uh, Lions, and and the Niners. And um, so when they all start button heads, you know, in the at the end of the season, in the playoffs, be really interesting to see who you know which of the quarterbacks sort of ascends and and um, you know to date. It, in the postseason and in games that really, really matter, uh, you know, Prescott hasn't done that. Um, but tell me, I'm wrong. Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I misremembering, or is that is that a fair assessment? No, but I mean, and I don't mean to like explain, you know, or explain everything away or whatever. But you, the four teams you mentioned, um, Dak's two most recent playoff losses have come against one of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Against the Niners at like the peak of their powers. And um, I, I know our Eagles listeners get upset when I do this, but like the Eagles too, they're, they're an amazing team. Like I don't mean to take anything away, but they beat the Daniel Jones, Brian Dable led Giants yeah, who yeah. we just bagged on. And then they beat yeah. the the Christian McCaffrey quarterback. Niners. Oh yeah. I mean, no, like, the, Eagles, I, the Eagles had maybe the easiest path to the Super Bowl of any team in the history of the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, tell That's me I'm the way wrong. That's like, fans around here, Ben, in respect. Yeah. Well, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Like somebody please. Tell me a, a team that had an easier path to Super Bowl than, than right. the Eagles and, did last year. And that's where, like, again, I don't mean to be like, Dak is this victim, whatever, but, like, he he had to go through a bit of a different path, you know, so to speak, than Jalen Hurts did last year. And to Hurts' credit was magnificent in the Super Bowl. The fumble aside, uh, Brock Birdie was magnificent. The Lions obviously weren't in the playoffs. But, like, you're right. That's, you know, we're at the point where, like, the rubber's about to meet the road on some of these teams, and it's going to be – fascinating and a lot of these teams are going to play each other the eagles still have to play the niners this season obviously yeah um the cowboys have to play the lions cowboys have to play the eagles again um and that I, i've been saying it i said it last week that cowboys lions game i mean dallas could win that game and clinch philly home field advantage i mean you know that that could you know depending on what happens between now and week 17 obviously that could it'd be a real butterfly effect sort of thing um if we I've, we've, we've gone extraordinarily long brendan so i have just a few blitz questions for you. But if you had to pick a winner of the NFC East right now on uh, on Tuesday, November 14th, who would you pick? Eagles. How dare you? Seriously. Sorry. Um, and and by the way, Hertz, I, you know, just real quick on Hertz. I, I, I was not a Hertz believer right out of the gate and totally I was totally wrong. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's great. Like, I mean, I think he's, he's, he's a top five guy um, without going down the list and, and, 
yeah, I mean, he can hurt you so many ways. He's just, he's excellent. So yeah, the Eagles are in a good spot. I didn't think, I thought that it was fool's gold at first. I thought that they believed in him more than they should. And I was totally wrong. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's one of the top guys. And even if he hadn't been, the fact that they got out ahead on the contract, we talked about this in the offseason. It's like yeah. the sooner you get that done, the sooner you can get out of it if if it's terrible, if it blows up in your face, whatever. I mean, like they just make sound decisions as a front office, which is yep. super annoying. Um, so you were on Survivor Go Silent. Um, and I tried to verify this, but I believe that that was filmed in the summer of 2017. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I would never be. No, no, no sorry. So it was filmed in the summer of. Yeah, no, you're right. 17. Yep. That's okay. Right. So I would never be able to play Survivor because I would fold. Like in, I, everyone, I'm sure you've met like a million people that are like, oh, I could totally win Survivor. But like they all couldn't. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do. But like, you know, when you think in your mind, like, what would it be like to play? Obviously, you did that and then you went and did it. One of the yeah. things that gives me great anxiety is like, well, how would I like disconnect myself from like NFL news? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. For like for however long it is. So like, yeah. And and you, you know, I as I understand, Survivor films like you know year round. So it's not like you had to miss like you know two months of the season or something like that. But what was the biggest piece of Washington news you missed? That's what I'm curious about while you were filming Survivor. Yeah. So um, at that time. You know, it's okay. Funny thing about Survivor is I, you have to make up a story when you go on Survivor. Like you can't just tell people I'm going uh, to play Survivor, right? So um, cool. That jeopardizes your spot in the game. So you have to make up a story. And so I had uh, for a long time, well, I had just switched careers and become a teacher. And so I had to explain to a lot of people like students and other people like why I was leaving at the very end of the school year. So I told this really boring and convoluted story about how I had earned this fellowship. I used to be in business and that it combined like business practices and education. Like I made it so boring and terrible that like nobody would ask follow-up questions. <laughs> this is awesome. But but the thing is that I said to people that the, there was this fellowship and it was in London, right? Like I was going to go study in London for seven weeks, uh, which happens to be how long you're away. Well, it used to be how long you're away when, when you left for Survivor. And during that time, there were terrorist attacks in London. And so people like like bombs going off in London. It's and not, so obviously people not were, funny, but like, I mean, no, wow. no. So people were calling my wife and being like, hey, is Brendan okay? Have you heard from him? Is there, you know, and of course she knew where I was. But um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, so, so in terms of news, <laughs> like the news cycle when I was gone, that was a big one. Um, and then, no, it was, I think the Nationals. So the, the Caps, so the Nationals were going well, um, the, the home teams. Um, and then, and right. then the Capitals, I think that year, I can't remember now if they were in the playoffs. I do remember that. So right after I played on, on Rick Devin's season, Reem Daly, who was the first one out and then was on this island where she had to like sit and stew forever. Um, you know, she kept asking because that was when the the, uh, the Caps won the Stanley Cup. And so she kept asking right. like, what's happening? What's happening? And you get no news. Like you get nothing. So even when you get voted out, like you, they just, you're just disconnected from the world. Like you don't have your phone, you don't have access to the internet or anything. So yeah, you miss out, but thank God. Yeah. yeah that would have been tough to be gone during the football season because like I'm a Washington sports fan, but above all things, like, and it's by a country mile. I'm a, I'm a football fan. Yeah. So I was kind of like putting myself in your shoes and, and thinking the same thing, right? Like that would be the ideal time to like, go do this. Yeah. Cause you're like all sports matter, but like, Oh, I missed the ESPYs. Oh no. Like how will I ever survive type of thing. Um, but if it had been a year later, you would have missed the Kirk Cousins like first season and I'm, I'm not certain how much you cared yeah. about that but like that I imagine was of some level of interest to you I mean like that could have been a lot worse is what I'm saying like it was a good yeah. year to go play Survivor yeah 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 I can remember sitting out on the beach and and uh there's a guy in my season Sebastian who is from oh, yeah. Florida but but Sebastian um just has family roots in in uh like a Maryland suburb of DC and so he's a big 
then Redskins, now Commanders fan. And um, and so like we'd sit at night like talking about like training camp and what because you know we, we were filming. So we we basically awesome. filmed from the end of May until um, well the game ended like uh, a little bit before July fourth. And so, you know, we're just thinking about like, and, and I'm telling you, like, we're talking about like backup tight ends. We're talking about Logan Paulson. We're talking about like, you know, and it was so cool because I'm like half a world away and on the beach in Fiji, like thinking about like with half my brain who I'm going to vote out next. And then also like running down um, whether they're going to keep a fullback on the roster, you know? So, yeah, it's kind of that is so awesome. Um, so that was, um, do you remember Washington's first round draft pick that year? Oh, no. Who was it? That was Jonathan Allen. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, end of know, the first round. Yeah. Look at what that obviously ultimately kind of yielded. Um, that's so cool. Again, I, I just, you know, you put your I mean, some people just think about Survivor and they think about like the, you know, kind of superficial things. But when you care a little bit more, that's certainly what you think about. Um, I also like you played. I, I know people hate this. Like, I'm not in the Survivor community, but I know there's this divide among the new era and the old era and the like shortened time span, whatever. Um, would you rather play the old era completely? Um, with just rice, like no reward challenges whatsoever, or go through five more years of Dan Snyder. <laughs> um, well, I, I, under any circumstances, I'd take the old era because uh, I think it probably suits me a little better. So if you, so I'd love to go play again, and if I did, I'd actually rather play the old oh, era, the longer game. So the game used to be thirty nine days, now it's twenty six. Um, and yeah, they didn't give you much of anything back in the day, and they they give them more now. And I think the more uncomfortable people are, the better for me so um so so yeah that's an easy one i'd i'd uh i'd, I'd play old rules uh, survivor for sure well this week actually um that we're talking um survivor auction the survivor yeah, auction is returning back. um so your thoughts on the current season of survivor in general um obviously caleb was a super likable dude too yeah. likable it was it was too obvious it was just yeah. never gonna happen for caleb i mean you know kiss of death when you're that likable that early on yeah. And, and, you know, so there's two things, right. It's like, how likable is he in real life? And then how much of that are they showing? And, right. and when, like, there was a time like, so the survivor editors have so, like, once you played it, you kind of like look at it through the lens of like, okay, what is the edit telling me? So you like, I try to deduce like what's going to happen at the, in the end. Right. And there was a time when like, if you were going to win the game, you'd get this hero's edit the whole right. way through. Right. But they, um, I think the editors try to obscure the results more now because people are just too savvy and they figure it out. Right. Yeah. So like he, Caleb was so much the golden boy that like, you just knew he, it, like the wheels were going to have to come off. Um, but yeah, he was awesome. Great character. And he was doing a great job out there. And um, so, yeah, it's a good season. I, I think they've done a really good job in casting by and large over the last handful of seasons. The only problem like this year, as you know, if you watch the show, two of the first four players voted out, well, two of the first four people to go, quit the game and so i don't know whether that speaks to a like a, a problem in casting or if it's just just really bad luck right and it could just be just a spate of bad luck and and um and we won't see another person quit for the next decade right so uh hard to say but uh but that's disappointing because you want to see people out there that that want to be there um but it's it's good i mean i i prefer the old times where it was a longer season because it, it changes the dynamic and the, it just changes the game right um, it's, it's a different game. It, it taxes people differently. They're going to play differently, uh, when it's short. And, and I think survivor like production, they want to play up like, Oh, it's, it's fast and furious and it's more dangerous now. And I mean, that, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I do like this, that one of the best things to come out of this season is because of the, the right, I think it's because of the writer's strike in Los Angeles right. in Hollywood. Like they got it. They've got to extend like 
programming and they've got to put something right. on TV, right? So, so a lot of these reality shows are being shown more because they don't have writers to write scripted shows. And so every episode this season has been an hour and a half. And I think that's like the perfect length. That's just, that's, it's awesome. Cause you can really kind of get into a little bit more of what's going on out there and um, why people are doing the things they're doing. You can sort of build, uh, build a little bit more tension, more drama. So I, I think it's been really good in that regard. Yeah, it's amazing. Even with 90 minute episodes, um, like there's like just reading like the Survivor subreddit, it still feels like there are things that I wish I would have seen, like conversations yeah. I wish I would have seen. Um, you know, like it's it's just if you're into Survivor, you kind of know that like there really truly never is enough. And I believe I saw that um, next season, the first two episodes are both two hour episodes yeah. before uh, 90 minute episodes. Begin. Yeah, two hour episodes where I think they're only voting one person out in each episode. So so like my season we had a 90 minute first episode where we voted out two people and there were all these shenanigans around like sending somebody to ghost Island, which was a right. new thing. So like you're packing so much in. And when that happens, like you just can't like, sometimes as a viewer, you're watching survivor and you're like, why did that person do that? This doesn't make any sense. And sometimes there's like, it's because they're not very good at survivor, but other times it's because like there, there's a good reason why they did the things they did. And there's just stuff has to get left out. Right. Because if you think about it, like early on in the game, there are a couple days that happen before anyone gets voted out and everyone's being filmed 24 hours a day, right? So there's so much footage that they've got to, you're seeing 10% of the action out there, right. right? And so they've got to simplify plot lines. And it's not because they're trying to like trick the viewer. It's just like, you just can't, yeah. you just can't show everything, right? And so sometimes stuff's going to get left out. And and um, and so I think the more you can show of the why and how is the better. So yeah, I've been really happy with it. I'm with you. Prefer the old era, obviously. Um, also, like all the advantages are great, um, but it it does get a little overwhelming trying to remember where they're yeah. all at. And like this season, especially um, with the like advanced, even more advanced, uh, you know, advantages that are like you can combine these two and when one, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it, it's a very tricky um, when Jay left my wife and I were like, okay, well this, it was like a domino effect of like, yeah. this means like 14 different things now because she's gone, um, whatever the case may be. Um, it does deliver great moments like Caleb shot in the dark, obviously. Um, although the shot in the dark has existed forever. Um, yeah, I think that was the first one to hit, right? The second, but the first to successfully hit, um, like successfully save someone that would have been voted out, obviously. Yeah. Um, and even like, again, I'm a big fan of Devin's, the fire making challenge, miss me with that. Like I'm, you know, if, yeah. if you win, immunity at final four like you deserve to be the most powerful person in the game like that's the way survivor was kind of meant to be played in my mind yeah i can't disagree with that the reason <laughs> they did it is is um they 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 wanted a situation where they wanted to strengthen the final three ultimately right is because what happens otherwise is you know whoever has the power to vote somebody you know to decide who the final three are is going to just pick two duds and they wanted to get right. away from these like you know these these blowouts at, at final tribal council. And so they thought, okay, like if Devins, who no doubt would be voted out, um, if he can earn his way back in and he's a strong player, well, that's good for the game. So I, I, I get why they do it. Um, it. Like I understand it, but it doesn't always play out, I guess, the way that they intend. Yeah. I mean, I was bummed for Devins, obviously, but the first one, um, I believe it was Chrissy um, who won the final four um, yeah. immunity. And then, you know, Ben, like if you have the proper like character arc, I hate to call or simplify it that way, but where you are this just like beast at winning things. And then you yeah. come in and like save yourself with this final fire making challenge. Like it, it, 
it makes it impossible to outdo because it, at the very least you should show the jury the final four immunity challenge so that they can see like what the person who won how heroic they were you know what i'm saying like that yeah. that's an important piece of information in the whole yeah time. although i I'll, i guess my counter argument would be that um the reality of the situation and and, and i'm only saying this from talking to lots of survivor people i was not part of the jury i got i got kicked out long before that um but i think that winning challenges and you know including the fire making challenge isn't going to win you survivor ultimately it's relationships that do it and and um it all gets back to that so um i think you could yeah you could put on this great show at, at tribal council and and win survivor and you know pull it out of the fire uh so to speak but like if you don't have good relationships if you don't build haven't built that then you're not going to win and ultimately i think it always comes down to that so like on on ben's season yeah i mean he won he made a bunch of splashy moves and sure. and uh but he also it, it often just gets down to who who the players hit it off with who they like you know and, and that's it's a just, social it's a, game it's a social game yeah. above all things it's a social game and you know we could geek out and talk about it for a long time but there are lots and lots of examples of where the person who won the game was not the the greatest challenges but instead the, the person that just made the best best relationships and ultimately that's i think what it comes down to last one for you brennan and you've already been a hero for how long you've um you've lasted here um outlasted some would say uh you're i don't know who you picked to win the season of survivor so whoever that was if you did give a winner pick and if you want to change it you can do so here Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I gave one this year, but, but I was talking with my, my son, Will, who's a huge survivor fan and, and Dalton probably knows more about survivor than anybody else on earth. Uh, and he, he thinks it's going to be either Kelly, the nurse oh, yeah. That's my or, pick. or D and, uh, and I, I can't disagree with him. I, if I had to put it, put money on one or a couple of people, I'd be willing to put a little bit of money on the two of them versus the field at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. If you give it two teams versus the field, I'm totally in on that. Um, that goes for the NFL as well. Um, I think Kelly's got the same like ability as Caleb, but like nobody is is as aware of it. Um, she's a little bit more stealth in that sense. Um, yeah. So she's dangerous. Uh, but in Shapiro, you have been incredible. Um, this has been so much fun to talk about the commanders, to talk about Survivor. Um, anything else you want to say? Actually, I have one last request. Um, this is the NFC East mixtape. I didn't prep you for this because I wanted to surprise you. Um, every week we add a song to an ongoing playlist that we have. Um, and even guests get to add a song. So um, give us a song to add to the NFC's mixtape playlist, please. Oh, gosh. Um, it doesn't have to be, a lot of people ask, like, it doesn't have to be reflective of, like, where the commanders are at in the season. It doesn't have to, like, personify your feelings for them. It can just be a song you like. It can be anything you want. Except um, I would prefer if it's a, a accessible on Apple Music so I can add it to the playlist. That's the only, uh, yeah, add, make sure it's accessible on the most popular music platform in the world, please. Gotcha. And, 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 uh, is this, can it, does it have to be, um, school appropriate? Like, does this have to be, nah, we got explicit okay. songs. We're, you're good. All right. Yeah. In that case, we're going to go with, I just heard this the other day. Here it is. Um, I'm looking it up as we speak. Sorry. I, cause I, it came you're fine. Up. I'll buy you All some right. time. Here it I, is. I surprised it's, you. uh, it's, it's, it's okay. Featuring young thug. It's, it's actually Busta Rhymes back from back from the dead. Um, but it's featuring young thug. Okay is is uh that's a good one that's a great song thank you for your contributions thank you for the conversation brendan you're the best uh i wish you health wealth and happiness but like pure and utter sports misery for obvious reasons <laughs> feelings mutual it's been a blast anytime